some great things here this morning. I'm really excited about um, the time change. Because it fits my message, the times, they are a-changing. A prophet, great prophet named Bob Dylan said that in a song. How many remember that? That's, that's, uh, it was 1967 or 6 when he came out with that. I remember where I was at and the first time I heard it. Because I was, God was dealing with me. I was a prodigal. And I was hearing the music and the, the whole hippie movement, everything that had gone on. I'd gone into the middle of the Jesus movement. <clears throat> and God was dealing with me, and yet I was, I was rebelling. And I was seeing that something has happened. You know, I remember when the Beatles came on the scene. The whole music scene shifted, didn't it? Everything shifted because they didn't, not just their music, their music was a new sound, but then they shifted in 67, 68, and came out with Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And there was, uh, Chuck Gerard was singing, we're on the eve of destruction. Remember that? Don't you know, we're on the eve of destruction. <laughs> and the Vietnam War was there. And the colleges were rebelling. And there was uh, Kent State and the killing of students on campus. And the whole, whole United States was exploding. And it was spreading fast. And it had broken out in England. And it was breaking out everywhere. And at the same time, a Jesus movement had broken out. And they were baptizing tens of thousands in the Pacific Ocean. Chuck, um, what was his name? Smith. Yeah, Chuck Smith. I couldn't think of it. And Keith Green was uh, just getting ready to birth some things in just a few short years. And, and uh, contemporary Christian music was going to really grab hold and and go into the contemporary church world because the contemporary church world now was having a visitation called the charismatic movement. Charismatics everywhere were, uh, I mean, people in all denominations were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and moving into gifts. And it was like the whole world was exploding with change. And uh, clear back in the 60s when I heard Dylan come out with that album and he was singing the times they are a changing and it was just it was I, I was seeing it feeling it I knew something had happened and that we were moving into what I would call the final countdown concerning how many years before the return of the king or a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Or the really army of God that we sang about, onward Christian soldiers, would rise up and become something to be reckoned with. And all of this stuff was in me because I was so well trained as a child in the things of God. And when I went prodigal, I went as extreme prodigal as I did loving Jesus as a little boy. A 
happened in, in my teenage years. And everything I did, I did extreme. Everything I did, I did with all my heart because my mother had taught me, and I sat under preachers and all that, and my mother taught me about David and read me the Bible. And in the womb, she read me the Bible. In the womb, I received prophetic words over me, A. A. Allen and others. And my mother was in all the tent revivals. And so I was really exposed at a time that I know right now the Lord brought me into the world. I came from the other side for such a time as this. And I know it with everything in me. And uh, you do too. And just to bring back a little history of all those things and then bring us up to date right up to uh, having Justin Abraham here and him with the anointing he carried, there was an atmosphere of faith and an atmosphere of glory presence in this building as it was packed out and people came expecting and There was joy and excitement before there was one worship song. And the worship, how, how many noticed how the worship was like this? It was, it was just like this. There's a guitar. There was nothing... There was no big band. There was no great... It was raw and simple and so anointed and beautiful. It was wonderful. And they went 30 minutes, and that's it. said, you know, now we're going to do an offering. Here's some buckets. If you want to give, come give. And people, and you can give all through the media. They said, the Lord touches your heart, and that's what they did and introduced Justin, and he got up. And in the atmosphere that was here, and for that to happen, a man or woman have to carry something. They have to really carry something. And they have to be manifesting what they carry. Because there's a lot of people right now that's carrying everything that he is. Because you have Christ in you but you're not manifesting it fully yet. And it's because God has been preparing you for such a time as this and preparing you. Never despise small beginnings because Jesus only had 12. And it took quite a while for Paul. Paul never did have 12. He tried to do that. He couldn't, he couldn't produce it. He was going to jail too much. <laughs> And, uh, and now here we are. We have passed through the end of the sixth day. I'm, I'm just going to, I'll give you something. You'll think of my opinion. But we're already, I believe, 18 years, not by the Gregorian calendar of the year 2000, but in the actually most ancient and detailed Hebrew calendars and even the time clock of the universe and how they can now measure the time by the moving of the stars down to the millisecond. And according to those ancient writings and the, the book of Jubilees, because it's the original time clock writings, uh, telling us what time it really is. And people don't realize that. And very few of even the Hebrew scholars have tapped into this. They've rejected it because they would have to change all of their doctrines. They would have to change all of their teaching. They would have to recant and say, 
I've been making a mistake by this many years for this long. And they know the truth. But some of them are getting bold enough to come out and say, you know, we've been wrong about everything. We're stumbling into the kingdom. It's all the goodness of God that we're coming into the things we are because of all of us falling so short. But there's some of us that are going after God at any cost. And I have to admit, I've been wrong. That's what I love about Jim Baker. People still holding things against Jim Baker. It's really sad. The man wrote a book after doing all that prison time and losing everything in the world. His wife died. His children scattered. I mean, he lost everything. And he was as, uh, he, he had more people watching him on TV, TV at that time than anybody in history and was winning tens of thousands of souls a month to the Lord, a week, sometimes a day. Um, and, 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 and it all fell apart. Fell apart because of sin and mistakes and, not, uh, and a lack of stewardship and diligence and all of these things that comes into play. And, he, you know, and I know I'm familiar with it. Very, I was on his restoration team when he was rescued. You know, he'll hear Jim talk about it on, there were these people from Lancaster that came and got me and, and came, took me and, and helped me. And I was one of them. I was one that was in that group. I didn't go get him. My, the apostle I was operating with at that time, pastor of the church I was involved in and a couple of his elders, and an inner healing ministry that had been at his, that was part of his ministry that loved him and was very close to him, went and get, went to his house and got him and Tammy and put them in the limo that our church had at that time. It was a limo van that had especially built and it was it had everything in it. And that van, they picked him up and brought him over to Lancaster, out in the de middle of the desert. And I met. I was one of the team that was brought there because they wanted a prophet. And so they chose me as a prophet. I, and, and by the way, I just want to say this about saying that title. I love the titles of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And I think anybody that takes them without Jesus giving it to them is making a very gross error. And we have to realize that, that just as there's pastors that are over tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands, the pastor to there is apostles and prophets to different levels of where you're at in the prophetic. And uh, I realize that we have to come into some understanding about God's word and God's promises. And I love the first song wasn't it the first song you sang? About the promises of God. All his promises are yes and amen. And I actually I want to talk to you about that this morning because of the promise and why you're here this morning. Maybe your first time. I'm not going to call you a visitor. I'm going to say welcome to the family. And this is the first time you've come here. But that's all it is, is the first time. If there's a first, there could be a second, third. That's between you and the Lord. So we're not going to put on some kind of, you know, way to get you to come back, but we want you to come back. And there's a little treat, some sweets, and a little gift thing that we have to give the people because we want to tell them we love you. We want, we want you to feel the love of God that's in our midst. How many felt the love of God this morning in their worship? 
It was sweet. How many felt it when my wife talked? Oh, my goodness. And the things she was saying about all this, she was being talking mystical language. I'm going to talk about that this morning. And um, before I go any further, the welcome that we want you to have is wonderful, that Jesus is wonderful, and we want you to feel welcome, and we, we want you to, we love you, and if the Lord wants you to come back again, we want you to if he doesn't. We want you to find where the Lord places the members in the body as it pleases him. And that's why I think maybe there's some mistakes being made about where people are going and why they're going there and what's the attraction and, and what's the relational bondage that they have to each other. It becomes bondage if it keeps you from the will of God, the perfect will of God, being in the body where it pleases Jesus. I mean, Jesus is building his church. The church is his body. Uh, he's really the one that knows which bones go where. Isn't he? The bone is the structure and the leadership that carries the weight of the whole body and does all that it does, including makes blood. The marrow of your bones is where your blood comes from. So the blood is awesome, and the life is in the blood. So the life comes from your bones and the marrow of your bones. And people that really believe that and know the power of the blood realize that the power of the blood must be present to initiate the fire of all-consuming God into your life. For God's a consuming fire. Without the blood, it will consume you. With the blood, it will consume you too. And it will consume you in his glory and wonder and grace and amazingness. And so... In the realm of the mystical revelation that was just taught here with Justin and what we're about as a prophetic community because we don't believe you can get where you're going to go without revelation. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But just before he said that, he said to Peter when he asked them who he was. And Peter said, well, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the promised one, the Mashiach, the son, the weos the fully mature one that represents the Father. That's who you are. And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. And on this rock, the rock of revelation, Jesus is everything. Mashiach, the promise. The promise promised one that would come, the prophet like unto Moses. On this revelation, I'm going to build my church. Not on Peter the rock, because he's only a little stone. The word rock there, Petros, is a small stone, or a chip off the old block. He's a piece of the massive rock, Jesus Christ. The word made flesh. The word of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and everything that is was made by Him. He is the Word made flesh. And so Jesus is everything to us. 
And Jesus is incredible. And he's high and lofty and holy and mystical and amazing. And he carries such mercy and grace and judgments and has for eternity. That's why the foundation of the church is built on uh, his holy apostles, Jesus being the chief cornerstone. But before that, in Corinthians chapter 3, it says the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ. And no other foundation can be laid than that which is Jesus Christ. And then it says he builds his church upon his holy apostles and prophets in Ephesians 2.20. And so we see that the apostles and prophets are to have the revelation and the manifestation of Jesus so completely in their life, not just gifts to prophesy, but to have the manifestation of the Son of God. I'm talking people in the office of prophet. The manifestation of Jesus in their life so completely that people can look at them and see the foundation. Apostles and prophets. And they don't build monuments to the apostle Moses or to the prophet Elijah. Because there's only one house being built. And that's the house of the Lord. And it looks just like him. That's the reason it's monumental and amazing because the church represents Jesus. It's his counterpart. It's his woman, the bride. Everyone born again is invited into being the bride, but not everybody born again will take the journey. So the bride is not everybody in the church, even though they're all called to it, and he's given the legal decree that they are his church, his bride. But he told us in Matthew 25, there were 10 virgins when the bridegroom comes and the trumpet is sounded and the cry goes out declaring his coming. He's appearing now on the scene at the midnight hour. Because God's day always begins at sunset. In the Hebrew, a new day begins when the sun sets, when it goes down. Calendars, timetables. When we understand those things according to the scripture, and you intensely get into it and really search it out, you find out we've been through the sixth day are actually entering the seventh day right now. How many believe we're in a transition between, you know, <laughs> the church age and the kingdom age and the fulfillment and what some call the millennium? I call it the unending day, the eternal day. We're going to have to be in the spirit to be a part of this bride. And, and I even need to change the way I said that. Because you don't have to do anything you get to. The walk of Jesus is not a have to. It's a get to. Because people that aren't born again cannot partake of any of the things of the kingdom of God. They can't even see it. Jesus said so in John chapter 3. He said, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom. If you're born... Again, you can see the kingdom. 
than if you're born of the water and the spirit. That means the word of God and revelation with it. That means if you can understand spiritual things and you can start partaking of spiritual things, you can not just see the kingdom, because when you're born again, he lets you see the eternal. I mean, was glad when you got born again, you knew you weren't going to hell and you knew you were going to heaven. You could see it with your spiritual eyes, but your natural eyes had, haven't caught up to what happened to you yet. As well as everything else he does when he steps inside of us and Christ comes into us. As the hope of glory, it's only hope. It's not, it's not manifest as, manifested as hope. Hope is, the, faith is the substance of things. Hope. So we have the hope of glory in it, but only as we manifest him through intimate relationship and building a life of faith and a life built on the word of God, the covenantal word of God, the blood word. Because you can put out all kinds of scriptures and never mention the blood and people say he's preaching good news because you're preaching good news. But without the seal of the blood on it, because the blood, the spirit, and the word work together always in unison, just like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you leave part of that out, you're leaving out one of the Godhead. And the Godhead's not the Godhead, and that's it's the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So well, the things I'm talking to you about are all the apostolic order. This is what the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus, taught. The one who set the church in order, the one who set creation in order. Uh, God the Father, in the beginning, God, Elohim. It's a, it's a word that speaks of more than one. Gods, plural. It doesn't mean individual gods. It means God's expression. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth is without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the waters. And God said, let, or no, God didn't say anything yet, did he? Oh, I almost left that out. I could have left out one of the Godhead. Oh my goodness, I can't do that. Because the Spirit of God had to brood on the face of the waters. Because he created the earth, and he created the waters, and there was earth underneath the waters, and the whole earth was, and everything on the planet, there was no order to it, and everything was chaotic. light. So God the Father, God Elohim created, Holy Spirit came upon and made the earth ready. I think that happened to us, didn't it? Didn't the Holy Spirit kind of start working in your life to draw you when you were in darkness and void? He created you from a heavenly perspective first. Then he created you earth-wise with a body. And your life's without form and void. Darkness is on the face of your life. Something had to happen. The Holy Spirit had to brood on you and prepare you and make you ready. And then God said, let there be light. And someone in the Godhead called the light of the world stepped on the scene. Fill the whole planet. 
all around it with the cosmic light of who and what he is. Then he began to separate the land from the water. He began to set in order his creation as the apostle and high priest, the eternal Melchizedek order, which is actually Melchizedek order. It's the Hebrew pronunciation. I have a kind of an edge on some of kind of this stuff because I'm a Jewish. So I see and know and perceive things. See, I study the Torah, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And I use the stone edition because the footnotes to it are filled with revelation from the sages. And, it, you know, if you have ears to hear, you can read the Old Testament, wade through all of the law and all that stuff, and you, you get to where you're not wading through it. You start looking for God in the midst of it, and suddenly you realize the Torah was love letters to the nation of Israel and invitations to come into the glory of God. And it was written with absolute perfection, with not one thing could be out of order or that would be, it would be sin. Why? Why would he do it that way? God made it impossible for man because he gave them a revelation of God. And God is perfect. And everything he does and says and thinks, everything is perfect. And Jesus Christ, the word of God, is perfect. So he prevented a perfect message to imperfect people. And they could not fulfill it. They could have. He invited him to come up on the mountain with him, the whole nation, and meet face to face with God and have a transformation and be born again and changed in the twinkling of an eye. And he would have revealed the Christ of Calvary and the cross to him right there because it's in the Torah. The cross, the blood, everything's all in there. And he would have revealed to them the mysteries and secrets and when they saw the lightning and the thunder and the trumpetings and the noise and the mountain on fire, it terrified the whole nation. And it says, and they turned around and ran. Can you imagine a million and a half to three million people running to get away from God? Because the display of his power was so terrifying. <coughs> they knew what he was like because they'd seen the ten plagues. And they knew that was judgment to those that hate him. He knew there was so much goodness to God because on the day that he killed the firstborn, that God killed every firstborn child of Israel. No, wait a minute. God didn't kill them, brother. God doesn't kill. Their sin killed them. And now why didn't their sin kill all of those in Israel? because they were sinners too. That was the judgment. He tried to convince them to let the people go. And the first thing God revealed was he turned the rivers and the waters into blood. Because he's a God of covenant. So if we get revelation on these things, actually all the stuff that I'm telling you, this is all earthly things. They're not even heavenly things yet. And if people can't understand earthly things, Jesus said in John 3, 
how will you understand heavenly things? That's what he told Nicodemus. Nicodemus, if you can't understand these things, you're a great teacher in Israel, and you don't know these things? If you don't understand earthly things that I'm sharing with you, how, and how will you understand heavenly things? He said, no one's gone up to the Father except the Son of Man who is in heaven. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus, standing there looking at the heavens and talking to him about earthly things. And he said, no man's gone up to, except the Son of Man. He said, I've been to heaven. I came down from heaven. I go to heaven. I, as a matter of fact, I'm in heaven right now. How many want to live in that lifestyle of being in heaven while your feet are on the earth? That's what he wants. That's the promise of the glory of God so permeating us that we're in the highest realms of glory with him all the time while walking upon the earth. That's the promise. We're talking about the promise. And uh, I'm excited about the promise. Now, big danger going on in the body of Christ. Pursuing heavenly things and encounters is really dangerous. Without an intimate relationship with Jesus and an eternal intention that every one of your encounters should be to be encounter Jesus Christ, the Godhead, the dove of love, wrapping wings around you constantly Holy Spirit a fire cloven tongues of fire set upon their head that wasn't a flick of a bick do a study on it <laughs> pillars of fire engulfed them the seven spirits of God that was in before the throne of God <laughs> came into that place as a rushing mighty wind and pillars engulfed them. The pillar of fire that was in the wilderness with the children of Israel came into the room and split up into 120 of them and engulfed every one of them. Wow! Are you hearing this? This is good news. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost and it never he never left He's here. And that experience they had, how many of you would consider, would think maybe, you know, that that encounter they had with Holy Spirit how many think it maybe was really powerful? And that maybe we don't have that kind of stuff today? Because when have you been in a place where the roar of a wind comes in so loud and pillars of fire are upon each person and it engulfs them and touches that goes that pillar of fire goes goes inside of them fills them to overflowing and then goes on their tongue and causes their tongue to burst out in the tongue of men and angels. 
and speak all the mysteries of God. Because when you pray in tongues, you're not speaking to men, you're speaking unto God. Because understand now, you're speaking mysteries. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Speaking mysteries. Mysteries. Ask my wife, are you are you a mystic? People think mystic, that sounds new agey. New age got a lot of our stuff. They stole it from us because the church wouldn't use it. And they went and explored the spirit realm. Did they get weird? Did they get off? Yeah. Did they get some other, some stuff that belongs to us? Yeah. See, God gives all kinds of people gifts that use them wrong. Didn't Lucifer have a gift to rule the angels of heaven and had a power of persuasion and had all this going on with him so powerful that it was able to deceive a third of them while they were being mentored by Almighty God, our Father, and the Godhead. I think Jesus probably did a really good job with Judas. Still betrayed him. It's called the mystery of iniquity. And it comes because we can reason, we can imagine, and we can make choices. Godly things, gifts, imagination. I see it. I have a throne above God. I will. I will five times, he says, at Lucifer. I will be likened to the Most High God. I will be above him. After all, I come in all the time and cover him with the merchandise of heaven, which is the worship that exuded from everything that he absorbed <coughs> and took into him and came in amidst the stones of fire, spirits. Any stones of fire here? Hmm. I'm giving you revelation. Now we're talking about some heavenly things, but we're talking about the fall in the heavenly things and the mystery of iniquity and where it began. There's problems in that church over there. So many people fall away. There's sin in their midst. Hmm, sounds like heaven. And Lucifer and a third of the angels. Sounds like Judas. And all the others that were disciples, that when Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And they all left him. They fell away. Because something was said to them. It totally cross-currented what they knew that they knew about God. We better get ready. Because he's about to upset apple carts of the most highest revelatory anointed apostles and prophets in the nation. And we are already beginning to find out who's true and who's false. Who's following the other light, another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit. <laughs> Am I going too far out there today for you guys? The real pastoral Sunday morning service shepherding and bishoping your souls. People want to be shepherded. They don't like the bishop part. 
Is the bishop part correct? Contradicts, rebukes, warns. The bishop part carry more authority. in that area when it comes to comforting and consoling and nurturing. Bishops aren't quite as good at that because their job's not to do that. It's to reveal the bishop side of Jesus. Is there a side of Jesus that would kill people? Nobody can believe that today. I'm, 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 I'm not going to stay on this very long because this just freaks people. Jesus killing? And you go read the churches. Just, just, this is just one example. You go read the churches uh, of Asia in Revelation chapter 3, and he says to, to Jezebel, tells the church, and you've tolerated that woman Jezebel is in your midst. I, and, and, and I give her a space of repentance. If she doesn't repent, I'm going to kill her with sickness and all of her children. That's the words of Jesus. What are you going to do with that? Well, that's not the gospel, I believe. Oh, let's get our scissors out. <laughs> and let's cut everything out of the Bible we don't like, especially the New Testament. Or let's create a doctrine that says it was all judgment was fulfilled and completely over in 70 A.D., None of the scripture from chapter 4 to chapter 18 apply to us today. That all happened already in 70 AD. Boy, I'm just, it's all over me this morning. Am I making anybody mad? Please don't be angry. I must tell the truth in love. I must tell you that all the promises are yes and amen. And I must tell you, and encounters are for all of you. And I must tell you that all of you can literally go to heaven. If you learn the keys, is given all the way through. Oh, there's nothing like going to heaven in your physical body, and your body goes to rapture. I know people that do that. Their body disappears and everything. And then they come back. They may reappear in the same place they left or somewhere else. Bob Jones, somebody asked him, aren't you looking forward to the rapture, Bob? And Bob says, I look to them every day. I have at least five or six every single day. Come on, why did, he, why did God do that with him? To give us a model and to oh, forerun, yeah, to offer it to us. You don't have to be some high-level, fourth-dimensional sons of Zadok, Melchizedek order in the seventh ethereal realm of the mystical arena realms to have these experiences. But those kind of people... I'm going to say it this way. Us kind of people do that stuff. And the reason we do is for you. Because Jesus wants us to show you how to come there. 
He wants them. Father wants Jesus to bring you to him. And he wants to reveal himself to you. Oh, but I can do that. I can just run in there and jump up on daddy's lap every day. I love you, precious. You gotta go read the Bible. You can't find that. But you can do it if you do it through Jesus. If you find the way. There is a way. Oh, but I, I just have now I'm saved. It's a grace. I've been given it all. That's true, you have. There's still a protocol. There's still a way. There's still an approach to certain things. There's still a, really a need. Would you like to be... I'm going to be graphic to really make a point. Would you like to be looking at porn, pornography and have Jesus appear to you? Do you think you'd throw your hands? Oh, Jesus, hallelujah, come on in, sit down with me here. Enjoy my time. How many think you might fall on your face and beg him not to kill you? Why would he kill me? Well, just his presence, the glory of him. In his resurrected body. <laughs> Crispy critter. <laughs> Does anybody here like Revelation? I, see, I have to believe this. People, God sends people here to hear this, and they may leave and never like it, but they can't get rid of it. And it will do something in them because it's from my Father. Oh, but... The, you're not perfect, so, oh, my spirit is perfect. And what I'm giving you is as perfect as I can give it to you. But I'm not perfect in my outer man. I'm still growing and learning. I have revelation and experiences, but I'm just like you. But I better not walk. And, and I'm, I'm saying, I believe you're holy. I believe you're pure. I'm saying that's a pursuit of my life. I have the fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom, and it causes you to depart from evil. I don't want, I would love to have Jesus come and appear to me, but if I'm watching pornography, he won't. And I don't do pornography and never have. seen it enough as a little boy and I've seen it enough through the years to know that I do not want to have any part in it at all it's almost impossible to not get exposed to it if you go on the internet and all you got to do is that and you can and it presents itself and sometimes it you flip through there and bang, something's right in your face. And you have to learn how to close your eyes, turn your head, get rid of that. If you want Jesus to appear to you. You know why you want him to appear to you? Because you're so in love with him. But also, oh my God, he's so Amazing. I want to be like him. He's my hero. He's my idol, if I can use that word. 
sanctify it for a second. No other idols. No other gods. So, the promises are so important, you guys. How many want to want to see all the promises fulfilled in your life? We sang it, all, his prom- all your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanius and Timothy, was by me, Paul. Silvanius and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached by us, was not yes and no. Jesus is not yes and no. And everything pertaining to him and the promise that he is, because he's the promise that was promised. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit was a promise, tearing Jerusalem, till you're endued with power on high. And what did he say? And I'll give you power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you go to Luke 24, I believe it's around verse 18, and it says, it calls it the promise, the promise of the Father. It's the promise of the Father. And it says here, the promise that he's talking about is that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us and me, was yes, Everything about Jesus Christ, the Son, capital S-O-N, it's got Son there. Sonship, full manifestation, image and likeness of the Father, Son, Jesus. Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. I've been with you all this time and you don't realize that you're looking at the Father, that I'm showing you. And the promise of this revelation of Yeshua, Hamashiach. You got to put the in there. Yeshua. The promise of seeing him face to face and knowing him in this life. He told Nicodemus, man, if you go all the way and get revelation knowledge from the word and spirit in this thing, he said, you won't just see the kingdom, you can enter. What is the king? It's the king's domain. The kingdom is everything that exudes from him that's under his authority. Kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, two different things. Kingdom of God is here upon the earth, in us. But it has not yet come outwardly and filled the earth with the kingdom. Oh yeah, but it is now because look at all the inventions. There's always been inventions. It's not the kingdom. Those are inventions that make life better. I guess. The computers really make it better. Well, they're making it a lot worse in some areas, and they're making it better. Everything that comes can be for either good or evil. What do you do with it? All things are pure to him that's pure, but to him that's defiled. Everything he does is defiled. Everything he thinks and says is defiled. Whew, that's heavy. 
shouldn't there be some holy preachers? Shouldn't there be some holy leaders? Well, we're all just human. Well, as long as you think that, you're going to continue to go right down the path you're going because we are not mere men and we are not just human. We've got in us. We're a whole different generation and a whole different race. The first Adam was crucified on the cross. Jesus was the last of that race and the first of a new one. The second Adam, the last man. 1 Corinthians 15, read about it, it's right there. Tells you all about it. <coughs> Everything I'm telling you, I'm giving you verses for. And if you go listen to this again, take notes. If you are studious and you really want what I'm saying, if you want to even find out if it's the truth. Or you could, anybody here could just say, I don't know, that guy kind of turns me off. He's a bit arrogant. I am bolder than a lion and as bold as brass. I do not fear that I will offend you. As a matter of fact, I will. Because Jesus will too. But I'm not trying to. I don't want to. But if you are, it is really not my problem. It's yours. You cannot offend a dead man. And we are dead. In Christ we've been crucified, put to death. That is not just a legal declaration over us. It's a reality. If anyone come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. Deny himself. Die daily and follow me. Does Jesus said that? Oh, that was before the cross. All of this before the cross and after the cross and the stuff that people do to nullify scripture and to displace things like the promise to Israel and the Jewish people. Replacement theology. They've been replaced. We're now the Israel of God. Well, I'm glad you are. I am too, uh, both ways, naturally and spiritually. But it wouldn't do a bit of good for me to be a natural Jew and not be a spiritual one. I could split the gates of hell wide open if I reject Yeshua. Or if I won't embrace him, if I just refuse to believe him. I'm a good guy, I'm a good person. I'm not going to go to hell. I'm a good guy. But if we use the law and measure it according to perfection, None of us could fulfill the law perfectly except Jesus. And he now lives in you. You can be perfect if you let him live through you. That is the challenge. That's the journey. Oh, it's a joyful, wonderful journey. To your spirit, <laughs> to your flesh, it's like, God, I paid such a price. God, I've given it all. I've been through all of this hard stuff, and I paid such a price. Everything that you paid out to him needed to go. <laughs> Do I hear an amen? You paid nothing. He paid it all. He's the one that went to the cross and rose from the dead on the third day, according to the scripture. Thank you, Father. So when I learn these things, you guys, 
When I started learning these things, it blew my mind. Because I was tra trained in the Bible, and I, I knew I had so much inside of me. And then when I, prodigal years, when I came back to the Lord and was born again and again, and, and baptized in the Holy Spirit. I had never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and suddenly I had revelation, and I was... I wasn't just born again and, and or born from above and could see the kingdom. Suddenly now, I started stepping into it because I, was, I had revelation knowledge. You can have all kinds of revelation. If you don't step into it, it won't matter. If you don't walk it out, you don't own it. You just become a mystical deceiver. Ooh, that was good. Just a mystical deceiver. That's not what you are. You're a child of the living God. Glowing with his glory and you don't even realize it. Time traveling in your sleep and everything else. Knowing things way beyond. I knew that was going to happen. Oh my gosh. I love my brother. He's so wonderful. Phone rings. Ring. Hello? I was just thinking of you. How did you know that he was going to call? Why were you, th what brought that up inside of you? Because you had a connect, and if you could see in the spirit realm, you would see your spirit went, Choo -woo! you were there with him. Choo -woo! Back, phone call. Because there's no time or distance of your spirit. If it tra traveled 10,000 miles an hour, it'd be slower than it really travels. Because wherever you think, you are. Wherever you direct your heart, and what things you direct your heart, or you put your heart on. When you get your heart filled with something, your spirit will begin to take you there, or the forces of power in your soul that your spirit gives you the ability to walk in now will reach out and take that thing and bring it to you. Out of the good things of, out of the, the, the good things in a man's heart, the treasures of a man's heart, the good things that in his heart, out of, out of those good things, brings forth the very thing you fix your heart upon. It's a power. It can make you or break you. What are you thinking about? What consumes your time? What do you make decisions based upon? The bad stuff that can happen if you don't guard yourself in that situation? You'll attract it right to you. You're discerning things so you can pray and talk to the Father about it. So he can change your heart and put faith in it. And then wisdom to turn that thing into good. Is that right, brother? You know. You're full of the word. You have revelation. You're hungry. You've heard a lot, know a lot. God's shown you a lot. This is the truth. Here's the thing that every person here knows everything I'm saying in your spirit because you have an anointing in you in the, of the Holy One and you already know all things. But you don't know here. Your soul hasn't been fused with it completely so it comes out in your body. That's the growth process. That's where we're at. That's where we're walking. That's where we're going. 
well, what if I practice encounters and want encounters, but I don't study the Bible and pray and don't spend time with Jesus and I live a dirty life? I didn't say a faltering or stumbling life. We're all stumbling into the kingdom. All of us. All of us fall short. At our very best, we still are tripping. And he, he, when you start to fall, he pushes you enough to where you fall into the kingdom. Then he catches you. Then if you're down and it hits you real hard and you can't get up, he will pick you up with the right hand of his righteousness. And even if you're strong enough to get up, he'll still reach down and help you. Because he's courteous and a gentleman and kind and good and loving and forgiving. He's amazing. Oh, God. Just talking about it, I'm tingling all over him. Tear ducts are starting to burst in gratitude of this glorious Jesus Christ, this wonderful Holy Spirit, this awesome, great, loving, kind, good Father. Oh, my God. Not three gods, one. How's that work? I won't go into it. I've explained it to you before with water and ice and steam around the earth. It's all connected by God. Holy Spirit, Son of God, Jesus. It's a new day. It's a new day. Most exciting time in history. I keep looking at the clock. It's 20 till noon. I forgot. I look at this one here, and it's 1042. Somebody changed the time there, didn't they? Who did that? Hmm? Did somebody change that back? Good for you. Yeah, because this one here is wrong. So I can, I, got an, I can preach another hour and 20 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. I'll look at this one, not this one. Okay. Let me, you have your Bibles? Let me read this to you. I just read to you all the promises are yes in him. They're not. In Jesus, they are not yes and no. Not one promise is yes and no. Every single promise, every one of them, for all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. To the glory of God through us. He who has established us with you. He's talking about Paul and the two other training apostles there that are with him. Establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee that the promises are all yes. Do you know the promises? Do you study them? Do you study the book of promises? Do you want things to come to pass in your life? Will you go up to the courts of heaven and present to him this right here, and say, this is sealed in the covenant and it's guaranteed 
by the inner abiding, constant, never going away presence of you, Almighty Father, my God, you're in me. These promises must. Why am I screaming? To emphasize that and the fact that I feel like I'm about to explode. They must come to pass. Jesus. Huh? You ever watch Hogan? He's walking around up there going, ding, 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 because he's about to blow up. Because he's raised so many people from the dead and getting ready to raise some more. Wouldn't that make you kind of a little bit weird? Wouldn't that seize you and move you out of your dignity and self-consciousness? The word dignified actually means self-consciousness. Are you guarded about how you behave yourself? Are you self-conscious when you walk in a room and, and feel insecure? I love you, precious one. I know how that feels. <laughs> what they see is not you. Unless you let you out. And then what they will see is Jesus. They will see joy and righteousness and peace and the Holy Ghost. They will see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faithfulness. They will see Jesus. <sighs> to get the confidence of one of the promises that we have been made the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. I am righteous before God. Holy. I have no sin that will keep me from any of my prayers answered. Because if there is anything in my life that I feel or sense or know, thoughts, attitude, I ask him to forgive me quickly. I do, I practice it. Because I've learned that the blood of Jesus is my only right to claim righteousness. That and the promise of his word and that and the guarantee of the Holy Spirit that we just read. Therefore, I am the righteousness of God. I can ask God anything I can find in the book as a promise. And he will not say, maybe, not today. No, he'll say, yes, you can have it. Then he'll teach you the way to walk into it. Because it's already been created and it's sitting there waiting for you. That's why he's the truth, the way, and the lie. The promises. The promises. Time for us. Chew. Having visions is not as important as knowing the promises. Everybody smile at me. I love you all. I get kind of intense. When I learned this and laid hold on it, I was, I, I was, I was a drug addict who had been delivered from drugs in less than a year. And I found the promises, and I devoured the book in the promise. I didn't go get a promise book. Oh, yeah, I did, too. I got a promise book, and I liked it. I set it there, but it wasn't the word. I didn't just get my promise, and that's my daily. I rose every morning. Still do it early, a great while before day. I awakened the dawn. I'm a daybreaker and a dawn maker, or a dawn maker and a daybreaker. Daybreaker. 
because the, 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 the day star arises in my heart and I put on Christ before the light dawns. Many days I watch the cracked dawn come. Most of the time I practice it. Oh, but I'm not a morning person. Yeah? What does that mean? That nullifies all of the things that the Lord Jesus himself did? And Jesus, go look it up, rose a great while before daybreak. I want to be like Jesus. Really? Are you ready to take the path he took? Okay, now, I said all of that like it's an absolute, and if you don't, you're a sinner. But there's been seasons in my life when I, on purpose, stayed up all night long. And I didn't do it hanging out with people. I did it alone, or I did it in prayer meetings where we fasted and prayed and worshiped all night long. I've done it with others in fellowship. It's wonderful, but it's nothing like being shut in and alone with God because at night it's quiet and you have no phone calls to make, no distractions, and you can so touch heaven or be touched by him. These are little things, and you can study the promises, and by the time the sun rises, you can go out and take believe that? Every time I smile, I get to show everybody my broken tooth. But I'm going to keep smiling. I don't care. Nothing's as important as the joy of the Lord and to keep smiling. I'm going to keep smiling because I have the promises. I can't help but smile. I can't help but be joyful because he is guaranteed it will happen. And I get to even feel him inside of me. And his promises cannot fail. Now to him who... uh, or for all the promises of God in him are yes. Say this with me, would you? God, God you're, my father. you're my father. You won't lie to me. Lie to me. You've made me, made me promises. And I find it in the book you made for me. It's your words, your breath, your, breath, your, spirit, your spirit, your life. Your life. And you promised me promise that all of them, all of them are yes. I am going to know them and I'm going to live in them. And you are going to get glory. Because remember, that's what it says. That's what it says in that context of Scripture. All the promises of God are in him are yes and amen to the, glo- to the glory of God. To the glory of my Father. Okay, go with me to 2 Peter chapter 1 real quick. A couple more verses and I'm finishing. Second Peter chapter 1. 
Everyone should study this chapter. It is an absolutely amazing chapter. And I can quote most of it because I've meditated it and prayed it so often and live by it. How many have heard that you need to um, get character? And you've been taught about character. How many have been taught about character? It's all about your character. It's all about your character. Good character, bad character. Anybody heard that? Um, we have to be real careful about some things when we understand that good character is better than bad character. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil has both good and bad. And I think the good side is probably really good and being emphasized a lot, but not much about the evil side. But it's still the knowledge of good and evil. And I make decisions based upon, oh, that's bad, I won't do that. Oh, that's good, I'll do that. But he wants to bring us to the tree of life. And when we eat the tree of life, we eat Jesus. And we make all of our decisions based upon, oh, Father, I so desire. I love you so much. I just, I'd go watch my son play basketball or football or whatever. And he'd be out there playing. And I'd stand at the door, and he couldn't see me, and I'd watch him play. Then I would walk in and head towards my chair. And I'd say, see, he'd be out on the court or out on the field, and I'd yell at him, Samuel, you got it. His, his countenance. He would change like that. And oh, man, was he an athlete. And he played really good. But something happened when Father was there. And he knew Father was watching him. Something happens to us. Oh, we know Father's watching us. And we're doing it the way he would. We're thinking it the way he would. Something inside of us. That is called the fear of the Lord. Did you get that? That's called the fear of the Lord. Uh, if I do anything wrong, he's going to kill me. That's not the fear of the Lord. I mean, if you have that kind of reverence and respect for God, that, that's better than the other way of defiance and rebellion openly. It's a step towards something. See, in the pastoral anointing, the, the father and the, ba the, the basis of fivefold ministry, if I'm not training you to come into full manifestation of sonship, to be exactly, to let Jesus fully live his life through you, where you represent the father like he did. Can I say that again? Sonship is representing the father perfectly. You can be a child and not fully represent. You can be a newborn baby, not fully represent. It can be all about you. And you can be a teenager where suddenly, man, you're strutting your stuff, and you really it's all about you. And you and you got strength now, and you're walking down the street looking in the windows at yourself, and, you know, shoulders go back, and the girls, they get there. I, I can't do it like they do, but don't want to. But they good. They, they, they good when they're looking at that, those windows and seeing and walking. 
How do you feel when you cross a crosswalk and, and, and there's a car full of young women or young men? Man, you want to look good. You put it on. There's this thing that comes on us. We want to show our very best. We want to look just, we want to be an attraction, not a rejection. Right? Just human nature. It's wonderful to be a human. Do we feel that way when we walk in a building and we want everybody to look at us and we want to look whatever, you know? Or do we walk in thinking of Jesus and your glory is going to come through me? Oh, when I come into the saints, the fellowship of the saints, I always flame on because where there's two or three gathered in your name, you're in the midst of me. Now you're going to manifest. And where one puts a thousand, two puts ten thousand to flight. Oh, my power increases. You increase out of me, Father. And when I get in the company of the saints, I'm free and I, I can be who I was created to be. And I'm more powerful with them than I am without them. Because we are. We're all better with each other than we are without. And put on the Father. Put on the Son. That's what it's all about. If you if you'll go with me to First Peter chapter one, I'll start in verse two. Grace and peace be multiplied to you, and the knowledge, that word knowledge there doesn't mean head knowledge, it means knowledge from above, epinosis, revelation. This is the Greek word epinosis. It means from above knowledge. It's revelation. It comes through intimacy and knowing him. And it happens when you believe. Just faith is the key to it. I believe. I believe when I step behind this keyboard or pick up that guitar, the glory of God's going to come out of me because it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. God ordained me. To lead these people into the celebration of the resurrection and into the deep, intimate presence of God. He created me for that. So I know that's who I am when I and 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 to, to do that, did you did you have to practice on the piano? To learn to play how about the guitar you didn't even have to practice okay but your strings you, you had to practice do you still practice but you do don't you well do you do you when you're alone sit down at the piano and worship God? Do you get better and better and better because you're practicing it? Because every time you play by yourself and you're going to worship God, you really just go, don't you? you? You get in the spirit with him and be wonderful. Sometimes better than others. 
You want an audition with him. You want him to come in. You're going to worship him. You, you want to contact him, don't you? You want an audition. Every time you lead worship, you want an audition with one, Jesus. But then there's a secondary thing that comes that says, I love them all and want to pull true worship out. Don't you want the people to really touch God, be touched by God, go into the presence of God? Practice is just doing something over and over and over again. Doctors want you to come to their practice because I guarantee you they're not God. They're just practicing. And they will practice on you. <laughs> so it's really cool that the grace and peace is multiplied to us in the knowledge, revelation knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. If you don't practice revelation knowledge, you won't keep it. If you get revelation and you don't step into it, with the hunger, this is good, I want more. Oh, this is so good, there's got to be more. Because you know you never arrive in God. It's practice. It's one of the keys. Okay. As his divine power has, has, notice the word there, has, means it's past tense. His divine power has given to us all things. Everybody say all things. Say this with me. Father, you've given me all things. Now, if you look this all things thing up here in the scripture and just go look up all things, New Testament, it's going to blow your mind what all things is. And he's given it to us. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. He inherited everything. Both in heaven and on earth. <laughs> uh, the heavens belong to the Lord, the earth belongs to the sons of men. That's a great scripture. It's in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, we become an heir of all things. Not just the earth, sun, moon, stars, and heavenly things in Christ. Anybody think we might should learn some promises and start seizing these things? Because look what it says. His divine power is given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which he has given to us exceeding great, exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of good character. Is that what it said? It doesn't say good character, does it? What does it say? What? What does it say, saints? The divine nature. Now, you've got to go through that to develop your character. You're never going to develop character going through anything unless you live from the divine nature. I know all kinds of people have been through every kind of 
ugly thing there is in their Christian experience, and they just got more and more defeated and give up, and some of them got disease and died and all that stuff. <coughs> I say things bluntly. Please forgive me if I'm too blunt for you. <coughs> uh, the divine nature of God that you want, you will never have unless you get it through his promises. And if you don't devour the word, you'll never reach your fullest potential and become fully everything he wants. Well, I've got the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you do. And the Holy Spirit will always lead you to the Bible. It'll always lead you to Jesus, won't it? Isn't that what the Holy Spirit's for? To teach us and reveal to us all things spoken by the Lord? All things written? The promises is a study we need to go into because I don't care how much of a mystic you are if you don't know the promises and you don't understand them. And I've watched the highest level prophets in my life. I've seen prophets that would have blown the world to pieces and established the kingdom go off because they didn't understand the covenant and the covenantal promise, and the word of God and its promise to us, promise this, of his divine nature, didn't fully consume them. And the higher your revelation, the higher your demand to stick to the Bible and the word of God, because it is the book of promise. That's pretty serious, isn't it? That's bringing it home. That's bringing it home, prophet. If the word isn't your final authority, you're going to get deceived. Timothy Sherman, you better stick with the word. I've had my father spank me real good because I got revelation that I did not get in the word. And I went out and preached it and told people, this is the word of the Lord. I didn't say, thus saith the Lord. I said, this, this is revelation. This is what God's given me you this day. And I had to get up and recant and publicly say, I erred. And I will. I'm not concerned about my reputation. I'm concerned about my father. I'm to represent my father in heaven. That's what a son does. <laughs> Oh, you wouldn't believe stuff I've had to do to my ministry because of things I said and did. And I had to get up and tell the truth. And it always brought a reduction and it always brought a grace and a mercy. And then it almost always brought increase. I mean instantly. Because God loves repentance. He loves it when we change our mind, change our heart, and change our walk. That's true repentance. It does all three. It returns you to the intentional focus 
my eyes are on the king. My king and my God, I will follow him. I take up my sword for the king. Everybody still saved? Is everybody excited and happy? Did you understand all the correction that was in this? The main thing is those promises pertain to everything in this natural life and godliness. That's what it says. Through his exceeding great and precious promises, we're partakers of his divine nature, and we've escaped the corruption that is in the world caused by lust. But before that says this, he says, and through his exceeding great and precious promises, he has given us all things pertaining unto life. Look up the word there, life. It's not Zoe life. It's your natural life. Through life and godliness, the promises. And people do not realize this entire book is a promise. And it's got history of promises fulfilled to Israel. Jesus was the promise. He was promised that he would come. How many believe he's coming again? He is. It's a promise. In his literal, physical, his physical, resurrected, glorified body. Oh, he's coming in us, and he's coming to us. But he is coming back, and is literal. And you don't have to wait till you die, or you don't have to wait for the final climax. Because he's inviting you to come up here right now. And there's promises that says you can do it. So here's what you're going to get. When I, by the way, when I started living this life and believing this life, I was in a street ministry, and within a matter of six years, I was prophesying the word of the Lord during that six years, and it grew to where I was, the Lord was using me for revivals that were breaking out. In the Midwest, in two and three states, people came from everywhere to them. Because all I, I didn't have anything going for me anybody else couldn't have. But I gave them the promise, and I, they had faith. They got built up. They, they believed they had the divine nature. Do you believe you have the divine nature Amen. inside of you? How many promises do you know? How well do you understand that? How many want the divine nature to increase in their soul to be seen out from their body and in their life around them. It increases through knowing the promises. And don't just look up the promise. See what it says before it. See what it says after. Because it always has instruction. And then the instruction is the wisdom or the way on how to make it into being that which is already here already is because see God's it's all here waiting for us and we can step into it we can move into it and we can get on a fast track to where one promise after another 
is believed, fulfilled, acted upon, and begins to happen. And it begins, to, and the more you do it, the more it happens. Like step in, step out. Step in, step out. Step in, step in, step in. Now I'm in even deeper. Then you step back, you're still in. But you're not in as deep as you were. So he wants us to come in and then go deeper and deeper, further and further, higher and higher, wider and wider. And be hid in Christ and God. Father, we thank you for the word. How many got something out of this today? There's a lot of teaching, a lot of revelation, tons of revelation. The whole crux of it is this. Sir, God has blessed you, and you've seen a lot, and you have a great family. But you have, I keep, every time I see you, I say this to you. You haven't seen anything yet. Oh, my goodness, what he's got for you in health and wealth, because he wishes above all things that you prosper and are in health. Your soul prospers. And this word of the promises, is going to explode in you too. It's a whole new revelation and a new excitement and a new faith and a visitation of the Most High is coming upon you. He has need of you in his army. It's a big army. It's all over the world. So no telling what he's going to do with you. But it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. We can get tired. We can run a race and go through a lot and just wear out. But if we get back in him enough, we reverse it and start renewing our youth as the eagle. Want to join me? That's where I'm going. You know my age? I'm 105. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can say something. Just before she gets up and says that, I want to say this. Finish this final thing. Get excited and take a new journey to go in and look at the New Testament promises first. Now, you don't have to do it that way. You can go anywhere you want to go. God's Spirit can lead you and guide you what's best for you. But look at the New Testament promises and what Jesus said to fulfill those promises and get that down in you like I just shared with you today through his divine nature. Get those promises because his nature will fill you up. When his nature fills you up, nothing can stop the promises from coming to pass in your life. So you might as well get excited. Just on a practical, uh, a, a practical level, you're going to have favor with people. The hindrances to your relationships and having true fins is going to melt away with favor and blessing and suddenly they're going to be attracted to you because every time you think of them, you're going to think of them through the promises and what's best for them according to God's word. You're going to feel a favor, experience. You're going to experience more than anything in the world that's going to come because you're going to fill up with God, not just by soaking or getting the spirit, but by filling yourself up with the promise which causes the divine nature to be activated. Don't worry about building your character. Get full of the divine nature. 
Character has to be developed from outward circumstances and habits and things like that. Nature comes through the promises, and that divine nature will start consuming you, and your character will automatically begin to change. Inside out. Inside out, like everything that is really Christianity. And, uh, and then this. Your love relationships will begin to change amazingly. Friendships get restored. Walls between you and them melt away. Favor everywhere you go. You'll start getting raises, ideas for businesses, witty inventions. These things all, I just read it, it has to happen. Through his exceeding great and precious promises, you become partakers of his divine nature. Through these promises, you partake of his divine nature. And he says, everything in life and godliness are yours through this very thing I'm saying. Read on the rest of that chapter and you'll find nine things in there that have to do with character traits of God that develop and come out of your life when you live from the divine nature. And at the end of the, that chapter, you'll see that you'll be given an entrance into the everlasting kingdom of God while you're alive right now on the earth. You'll be given an entrance to walk and live kingdom life. Well, hallelujah. Anybody need some children restored or family or a member or a loved one, a husband? These divine nature promises, promise it will come to pass. You'll have new faith, not just to stand, but to do everything that you need to do to literally reel them in. Okay, Glenda, did you have something? Just an add-on, though. It's, you know, 2 Corinthians 3, um, 16. But whenever a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Veils are taken away every time we turn to the Lord. So whenever a man turns to the Lord, that is, we turn to the Lord. That is... The Lord is here, he's with us, he's in us, but we literally, we turn to the Lord, we focus, we view him, we look at him. We go where he is, we look at him. We go into his realm. Whenever a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Whoa. <laughs> into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So with the unveiled, when we turn to the Lord, the veils come off, and we actually look into the glory of the Lord, and we become transformed. Thereby, the nature that's within us transforms everything else about us. So when we look even into the promises, it's not about just grabbing these Bible verses and memorizing them. It's actually viewing them, going into them, because every promise actually is a door 
It's an That's entrance. It. It's a place to go into. It's a place to live in. It's eternal. It's 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 a heavenly realm. It's a heavenly uh, attribute. He is he is. It is not from the earth earthy. It's from the heaven heavenly. And we step out of the earth earthy into the heaven heavenly, and we look into that. So it's a little bit of an adjustment of beholding the promises of God. It's a it's a it's a larger view when we behold those from the Lord and look at the Lord, just like we were trained on Tuesday night, where we view the Lord, we behold Jesus, we we find that place, we get quiet, we silent, we quiet our souls, we quiet ourselves. We look at him, we love him, we worship him until there's that connect. You feel that connect happen. When that connect happens, he's the door. Then you step through the door into the heavenly realm with him, the unseen realm. And you view and see and go places in that realm. It's the same as stepping into the promises with the unveiled face. We turn to Jesus, the Lord, and we look into it through him um, beholding him as we behold he is this he is the word in the beginning was the word the word was with God the word became flesh and dwelt among us he is the word in the volume of the book it is written of me I've come to do your will O God he this is him this is not just ink and paper this is the living Christ so when we behold him as living life, we actually look into him. As we behold him in the promises, then we are transformed and the promise becomes us. We become a part, we become that promise. Awesome. Amen. Awesome. Go ahead, Sarah. What do you have? Add on as well. Okay, how many of you when you've heard the promises of the Bible, you've been like, oh, that's great. I will receive that at the end of my life in heaven. <laughs> right? Like, I've, I've had that response. So as I actually, the Lord was speaking to me about this last night, but I was like, yes, Lord, like, you know, the false martyr thing of like, I shall be rewarded in the age to come. And then he, re he reminded me of the passage when uh, Lazarus was in the grave and he talks to Martha beforehand, and he's like, hey, um, do you believe in me? Do you believe that I am the resurrection? I'm paraphrasing. And she essentially says, yes, Lord, I believe um, in your ability to bring life. This is very paraphrased. So what happens is they get to the grave, um, and she, she's like, no, 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 don't, don't roll back the stone because there's a smell. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you'll see my glory? And that's the word of the Lord for you guys today. Didn't I tell you, if you believe, you will see my glory. Not in the age to come, but now. Now faith is. So these promises that he's telling us to go dig out out of the Bible. Like, if somebody walked up to you and said, I have a promise that's just ready and available right now. Wouldn't you want it? You'd be like, yeah, I want this. So if you guys actually believe this word, you're going to go and find those things because they're for now. You can take them and have them now if you believe in the glory of the Lord, which I know you guys do. You do. So, anyway. Come on up to my car dealership. I've got a car here that uh, we're, we're going to give to you. you. We pulled your name out of a hat. You show up here in, in the next hour. I promise you it's yours. You can drive it away. Would you go get it? 
Will you go get it? Yeah. Good, good word, Sarah. Good. Okay, we're going to do an offering right now um, and give you a chance to um, sow your seed, your tithes and offerings. And um, you can make a check out to Eagle's Nest. <laughs>